Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. And today, how our attitude helps us deal with change. We change every day. You have a new supervisor, and they want you to do things a little bit differently. And so you have to change. Or a bigger one yet, somebody somebody you love is on the verge of death. Or she said, I'm moving out. How often that's happened. Or he played your game, he went to church with you, told you how great your church was, sang the songs, raised his hands, and then you married him, and now he has no interest in the things of God, man. He schmoozed you along. See, I can handle most changes like that. But the biggest changes I need to make are within myself. And I've discovered if the change happens in here, if it happens in here first, then I can handle all these other changes a whole lot better. I have an easier time with them. And that took me to Galatians chapter 5. And that's our primary text, Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. I've got to make the changes in here first, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these there is no such law. Let me read that again. This is where God wants us to be, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so what's fruit? When Jesus talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that term began with Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about the fruit or the works that the Holy Spirit produces in you and me from the inside out. Again, the fruit of the Spirit are the the God-pleasing works that the Holy Spirit living in you now produces in you from the inside out. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, here's a big word, you were justified. And that simply means God the Father in heaven sat there like a judge and he kind of pounded the gavel and said, Christ paid your sins off and so you are free. You are, you are not guilty of all sin. Christ is guilty. You are not guilty of any of your sins. And that's called justification. But at the same time the Father justified you, he began the process. And here's a big word called sanctification. Sanctification means God the Father placed the Holy Spirit in you And the Holy Spirit is working in you to make you holy or to make you sinless. That's the meaning of the word sanctification. You're on a process towards sinlessness or personal holiness. And of course, you'll never be sinful in one lifetime. But the Holy Spirit is in you, and he is going to work these qualities in you. Let me read these again. The qualities of peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He's going to work these things in you till they reach fruition or as much as they can in one lifetime, as much as they possibly can in one lifetime. And the Father in heaven will do what he has to. To, to conform us to, or to make us, to make us like Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ epitomizes all these virtues we find in Galatians 5. And when I say the Father will do what he has to, to make you like Jesus Christ. That word make implies, well, it implies change. Because you're not there yet, so you're going to have to change. And change implies pain. And the Father's going to work that in us. Now, you've got to consider this. You've got to think about this. If the Father wants to train us to be more loving, more gentle, more patient, kinder, to have more self-control, he has to put us in situations where we have to struggle with that stuff. 
He got to put us in a situation where we have to struggle to be patient. You're not going to learn patience unless you have to struggle to be patient, right? So, right, you have to be in a situation where you have to struggle to be patient to learn patience. Or how can you, um, how can you learn to be gentle? Think about this. Unless God brings people into your life who make you want to be loud and harsh and nasty and anything but gentle. You got to work at being gentle. I mean, how can you learn to love people unless they take you to your limit? And you want to say, enough of this noise. I'm out of here. I don't need this. I mean, God's got, don't you see God's got to put you in those situations for this to happen for you to grow? See, you're going to sense, you're going to sense inside you when you enter those situations that you need to change. I'm not where God wants to be, man. I need to change, see? And the Holy Spirit's going to take care of reminding you of that. He's going he's to take care of letting you know that you need to change. And you're not going to want to change. You're not going to want to restrain yourself. You're not going to want to deny yourself. You're not going to want to do the tough stuff. But here's where paradigm or attitude comes in. When you understand that you are in those situations or that God brought people into your life to make you kinder, more gentle, and everything Galatians 5.22 says, when you understand that this is God working this stuff in you so that you can become all that, I mean, you see this whole thing with a new paradigm. You got a new attitude toward this whole deal. You're going to say this is a good thing, and that's what we call a paradigm shift. Because you see this with a brand new lens. You see this is a God thing. It's going to be tough, but it's a good thing. And you're going to see people dif differently, too. You know, I wrote this, um, and when I sat down and wrote this message, my mind just kind of went back in time and all the difficult people God brought into my life that I really didn't want into my life. And so right now, why don't you name one irritating person in your life? And you wish they were in somebody else's life, not yours. So now you have a new paradigm in your life, see? You got a whole new paradigm. See, you need that person in your life to irritate you, to take you to another level, to train you something, and God knows it, and that's why that person is there. See, that's God's providence. Way back in eternity past, God the Father in heaven saw you at this point in your life, and he knew, he knew that you needed some more, some help in becoming more kind or more gentle, or that you, did, or that you needed some restraint and self-control or whatever quality he wanted to develop in you, and so God brought this, I mean, he did that way back in eternity past, and he knew he was gonna send this person into your life, this person that you want out of your life, so that he could accomplish what he wants to accomplish in you. And that should be a whole new paradigm. So today what we want to do is we want to look at three biblical steps to change lives. And I didn't get these out of a book. Actually, I went for a walk early last Monday and I thought through, I, I thought through these things biblically. And the first principle to take us through change is this. God will never lead you to change. He will never tell you that you need to change. You need, you, you, you need to change something inside you. Or he will never lead you into a, a circumstance of difficult change without giving you the power to do it. You are going to face change all the time, almost daily. And you got to know this. God will never lead you to change something within yourself or lead you into a change circumstance in your life without giving you the power to do it. And this is really attitude. This, I mean, this is where attitude, this is where attitude really plays a part because this is how you have to think. God would not lead me into this without giving me the power to do it. And that helps you see the whole thing differently. And the best example I know is Jesus and his disciples. He handpicked and trained 12 disciples for three years to carry on his work. And they would go into all parts of the world and they would call people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And most of them would die for his name and they knew that. 
And they were understandably scared about that. And Jesus knew that. And so Jesus told him, and I don't know chapter and verse here, but he said, he said, I'm not, listen guys, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send you a comforter or a counselor or the Holy Spirit. I would never leave you to convert the world and maybe die for my name without giving you the power to do it. And that's exactly what he said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to this. But you will receive power. Listen, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the earth. See, they had the desire to do as well. They had the desire even to die for Jesus Christ, but they did not have the power. And then came the day we call Pentecost. And these disciples are in a room, and they're, they're, they're understandably, again, scared. And then they hear the sound of a wind, and then they see what looks like, like tongues or lights of fire sitting on each other's head. And that was the form the Holy Spirit took. And from this point on, he lived in or inside them. Read Acts chapter 2. And then these 12 guys, they left that room. And they walked through a crowd of people who were hostile to just the thought of Jesus Christ. And they found a platform and they started speaking. And Peter spoke for all of them. And this is Acts 2, verse 22. Peter said, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. And this man was handed over to you, this is so good, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing to the cross. But the Father in heaven raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then I jump to verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel, get this, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be your Lord and to be your Christ or your Savior. Man, what a change. I mean, something happened inside these guys. What happened to these guys to all of a sudden give them that courage and to bring about this change? Well, it happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, where the Word of God says they were all filled. They were all filled with that power Jesus talked about, and that power is the power of the Holy Spirit. From that point on, and this is for you, from that Pentecost point on, God, though, you got to think about this, man. God, this is attitude, man. This, God, this has to be your paradigm. God, the Holy Spirit, lives in every believer. That's 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know, Paul writes, that you, you are the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwells where? In you. That's either truth or a lie. I mean, you've got the power of God. In, I mean, this is such a powerful thought. I don't have a grip on this like I should, I have to admit. When God leads me into any change in my life, I have God in me. Boy, if I have God in me, I have God himself in me with everything he has to give me. You've got to think like that. God won't do it for me, but when I become obedient and I seek to make the change... And I, may, and I take the first step to make the change, then the Holy Spirit in me propels me. I need to take that first step. But man, when I do, the Holy Spirit in me says, now you're smoking, man. Here we go. And God, the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, inspired Paul to write Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Let me read this to you. From the Bible, I have it written here, but I want to read it here. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know. And then I jump down to verse 19, so that you may know. I pray that the hearts of your, that, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know, now to verse 19, his incomparably great power for us who believe. 
Man, eat that up, folks. Is incomparably great power for us who believe. And that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead. And the Greek word for power is dunamis or dynamis. And, and you know that's, the, that's, the, that's our word for dynamite. It's our word for dynamite. So what's in you? What's in you? The Holy Spirit is in you with this explosive dynamite power for us who believe. So folks, please get a hold of this. I mean, what change are you facing? What change do you need to make? What change do you need to make in your life? List it in your mind right now. I mean, you start taking the steps into this whole deal. You step into this whole deal to make this change, and you do it with prayer, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And you have the jet power, the dynamite power of God the Holy Spirit inside you to do this. I need to be patient. And I, you know, if, I, if, if that were my thing, if I needed to be patient, i got to think like this. I can do this. I know my thing is I need to lay off salt. I need to lay off salt and give up chips. And I need to think like this. I can do this. What change do you need to make? Man, you can do this. God the Holy Spirit, God the, God the Holy Spirit led you into this, or, or the Father in heaven led you into this. He's got a plan for your life, and he put the Holy Spirit in you because he's not going to leave you as an orphan to go through this whole change alone. And he will empower you to see it through, but you've got to step into it. You've got to walk into it. You're going to see what God can do. Okay, here's the second biblical principle in making changes. Admit you need to change. Again, I didn't get the principles out of a book. I got it out of the book. And this is Proverbs chapter 28, and this is verse 13. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses his sins and renounces them finds mercy. And I can play this ridiculous game with God, and I can say, oh, my sins aren't all that bad. See, most people don't like to think God is holy. You don't like to think like that. Most people don't like to think that one sin, just one sin, can separate you and me from God forever and ever and ever and ever had it not been for Jesus Christ. See, most of us would like to see ourselves as good. But when there's unconfessed sin in your life, you're playing this game with God. I mean, you're, you're holding on to this particular sin, and you say, God, you can have every corner of my life but this is my corner. Keep your hands off this one. And God can't bless that. He cannot bless that. Why? I mean, God won't bless that because he's holy. A holy God cannot bless your sin. I mean, folks, just understand that a holy God cannot bless your sin. And at the very least, what you're doing is this. What, you, what you're doing is you're limiting all the blessings God wants to give you. It says it right here. It says, you conceal your sins, you won't prosper. When you conceal your sins... I mean, you're holding on to this. God, God, you know, <laughs> my whole life belongs to you, but this, you're holding on to this. When you, when you don't confess those sins, you will not prosper. I didn't write that, God did. But when you confess that sin and say, God, you have control of my whole life, I'm gonna do what you want in my whole life, you will find mercy, says the word of God. The blood of Christ washes you clean. Then the relationship with the Father is restored. You have peace in here. Life can go on. But you have to admit your sin. Before God can help you, before God can give you mercy, you've got to admit your sin. And you have to say, I have a problem. I got a sin problem. And that just kind of flows into the rest of your life because it's real easy to sweep things under the table and pretend. Oh, this isn't all that bad. Just like our sin. We pretend time will take care of this. Time will just take care of it. Now, now, I don't know this for a fact. I'm just kind of thinking out loud, but how many closet alcoholics do we have here today? 
How many closet alcoholics? I don't know, but I know I talked to a bunch of ladies. And when I say a bunch of ladies, I really mean a bunch of ladies who say, he is the nicest guy, he is the nicest dad, he is the nicest father until he starts drinking. That's like a metamorphosis, see? Oh, but you don't have a drinking problem. No, no, you don't have a drinking problem. You stop anytime you want. Is there such a thing as a, as a closet drug addict? Is there such a thing as a closet prescription drug addict? Is there such a thing as an internet porn addict, a closet internet porn addict, or just an internet addict? I mean, so much stuff you could be doing with your time when you sit at that stupid computer all day. I mean, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit in you will let you know this is not where God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to be, and you have to deal with that, and you have to admit that. Here's where the Father wants you to be, Galatians 5:22. the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and that only begins to scratch the surface of what God wants you to be. And so if you're not showing love, if you're not showing joy, it talked about peace. If you're not showing peace, you're telling the world, hey, I, I love Jesus. And the, and the rest of the world sees you get rattled by every little thing. You're so negative. And then, then you need a lesson. You need some disciplines in God's peace, see? It goes on to say God wants you to be good, which means generous, and maybe you're tight with your bucks. Or maybe it says he wants you to be faithful to your word. And so if you're not gentle and you lack self-control, if you're not faithful, if you're not good in all this stuff, the Holy Spirit will let you know all that. He will speak to your heart. And remember, if God is going to make you kind and generous and loving and give you self-control, he must, he must place you in situations or send people into your life that will demand the utmost of you, that will demand that you be patient and kind and loving and generous and at peace and exemplify joy. And when you see how short you come, then you admit, see, I need to change. And that's when you really get into prayer and really commit to making the changes. Now, if you have any addiction if you're sweeping anything under the table and think it's going to go away, it won't go away. But once you face it, now, 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 now you've admitted you've got a problem, you have a problem, and now you can deal with it, see? And not until then. Proverbs 28, 13, if you conceal your sins, there's no mercy. But when you confess those sins and renounce them, God has mercy, and that applies in all of life. And so number one, you've got to realize you have a power within you to make the changes. Number two, you've got to face the changes, admit you've got a problem. And number three, um, surrender this change to God. You've got to surrender the whole thing to God. There are some parts of Scripture that needle me more than others. And when I talk about needle me, I'm talking about a long knitting needle that, you kind of, that kind of sticks in me. Somebody sticks it in me, and they start poking around down there and start probing, and it really hurts. There are parts of Scripture like that, parts of Scripture you really don't want to read. And Mark 9, beginning in verse 17, is one of those. At least for me. I mean, you got to picture this. This guy comes up to Jesus, and there's a whole crowd there. And this guy is in tears, and there's consternation in his voice over his son. He said, I asked your disciples to heal my boy, and they couldn't do it. Mark 9, 17. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son. He's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes the teeth. He becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out this demon or this spirit, but they couldn't do it. And then Jesus says in verse, and then it says in verse 20, so they brought him, they brought this boy to Jesus, and when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. 
He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has, it, how long has he been like this? From childhood, the father answered, and it's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. Now listen to this. Now, now you're getting to the key. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. And here's where the needle gets to me. Immediately the father exclaimed, I do believe, help my unbelief. I do believe, help my unbelief. Anybody see yourself in there? Oh, I see myself in there. You trust Jesus for salvation. You're going to heaven. But sometimes that's all you trust him for. That's me. I know I'm going to heaven. I trust the fact that Jesus Christ paid for my sins. But a lot of times that's where it ends. Do you honestly trust him to cure a kid who foams at the mouth, gnashes the teeth, becomes rigid, and throws himself into fire and water? I mean, folks, this is my prayer. Lord, 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 I believe in you for salvation but help me overcome my unbelief in all these other areas of life, especially this one area, that you will give me the grace to make this necessary change that you showed me I need to make. I believe you for salvation, which is primary, most important, and good. But Father, give, help me to believe that you have the power, the grace, to take me through this change I need to make. And this is what's going to make all the difference in your life. Do you trust God, not just for salvation, but to take you through whatever he asks you to go through, especially change, whatever that change may be? See, you have his promise, what he leads you into. I mean, it's clear in the word of God. If he leads you into change, he'll give you the power. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you a counselor. I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given you his promise, see, that he's going to finish what he starts. And then you've done the second thing, the really tough thing, and admitted you need to change. Now, do you trust him? And here, man, it, 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 it's all prayer. You surrender this thing to God in prayer. You've got to let go of this thing. And you let go of it in prayer. And you, and you pray something like this. Lord, I'm not patient. And I need to be kinder. And I need to be more gentle. And, and, I, and I keep blaming you. And I keep making excuses and say, that's the way I'm wired. I'm just wired that way. Well, that's blaming God, see? Or say, Lord, our marriage has been so difficult, to say the least, and I need to make some big changes and change my schedule for the sake of the marriage. Or I've been seeing this other man, or I've been seeing this other woman, and, I, and this is going to be tough, but I need to break it off right now and commit myself to my husband or my wife. Or how about this one? How about, how, the, 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 Lord, this is the biggest change in my life. He or she is dying, and we were married all these years. How can I go on without him or her? Or, Father, there's no jobs in my field, and I'm going to have to go outside my comfort zone and learn something new. Or pray this, pray like this, Lord, I've dug a hole so deep I can't even see the top. How can I crawl out? But I'm going to start. And you reach your hands up, and you dig your fingers into the dirt, and you brace your foot on a stone, and you start the climb. At least you start the climb out of the hole. And you are honest with him in prayer. And you've got to remember this. You've always got to remember this. He came from heaven to earth. He left the worship of angel choirs. He left perfect heaven and all the beauty of heaven for a stable and a body and life down here in the trenches. Do you think Jesus knows what heaven is all about? Well, I mean, what change is all about? 
And then you study the, I mean, you go to a God who understands change. And then you go to your Bible, you study the Bible, you underline the promises and pray them back to God. 1 John 5, 19, listen, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and we know if you pray according to his will that we have whatever we asked of him and you pray this back to God. God, I'm about to make this change. And this is from you, and this is your will. And here's the promise. If I pray according to your will, I have it. I dare you to pray that promise back to God. James 5, 16, this is so good. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You surrender this whole deal to God in prayer and believe he hears and answers. Are you ready to make the change? Are you ready to swallow a chunk of your pride and say, I can't? But with you, I can. The hole is deep. Resolve today. I'm going to reach up. I'm going to dig my fingers into the dirt. I'm going to start to claw my way out if that's what I have to do. I'll go an inch at a time. I'll go a step at a time. Right now, you name the change you have to make. And you start the climb. And you begin. And he will see you through it. And you can do it by His grace. It's a paradigm. It's how you see it. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.